We all agree climate change is anything but comedic. Monty Python's John Cleese says a wonderful thing about true laughter is that it just destroys any kind of system of dividing people. Well, old Groucho Marx typifies many politicians in being divisive. I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. As we all know, many of today's politicians are being divisive. Our guest today says why dark comedy matters in the fight against climate change. I'm Bert Cohen, and with your help, we are keeping democracy alive. The surest way to lose a fight is to do exactly what your enemy expects. Engaging conventionally, the side with the most firepower wins. And in these fiercely divided times, there are those on the left who have called for revolution, a violent revolution, using violence to attack and defeat the right-wing racist forces focused on maintaining white male supremacy. This side, of course, is dedicated to continuing and even stepping up exploitation of the planet's resources full speed ahead. We can't let them win. And of course, this side has this side has access to a huge arsenal of police and military weaponry. Fighting on their terms using weapons they know best is a strategy guaranteed to lose. The most conventional and often effective method of fighting to save the environment is through legal methods, be they state or federal legislative efforts or lawsuits. And that's pretty good. We've also seen big protests such as Standing Rock actions, which did stop the Dakota Access Pipeline. And as some wise person said, politics and protest are both necessary. Neither by itself is sufficient. There's serious big money behind the drive to keep us addicted to fossil fuels. And a recent report from the United Nations made it clear we have less time than we'd hoped to save the planet. Thus, we got to use all the tools we can. That requires creativity. One thinks of Aikido, I hope I pronounced that right, Japanese martial art, which turns an attacker's strength and momentum against himself. That's where the unexpected use of comedy comes in. Yes, you heard that right, comedy. Comedy has power. And that's what today's guest is going to be talking about. Aaron Sachs has a new book titled Stay Cool, why Dark Comedy Matters in the Fight Against Climate Change. And it's published by NYU Press on April 4th. Saving the planet, of course, is such an incredibly serious challenge. One might ask, how can comedy play a role? Of this book, one reviewer wrote, Dark times demand dark comedy. Interesting. Sex declares, Stay Cool is just the book we need to put climate change in perspective. Stop sighing and moaning and keep persevering. We'll consider that unique, the unique role that comedy, especially dark comedy, can play from our guest today, Aaron Sex. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Aaron Sex is professor of history in American studies at Cornell University, and he's the author of The Humboldt Current, 19th Century Exploration and the Roots of Envir American Environmentalism and Arcadian America, the Death and Life of an Environmental Tradition. Sounds interesting, I must say. Well, thanks so much for being with well, us. Thanks. As you note, 
environmentalism is probably the most dour and sanctimonious <laughs> social movement that has ever existed. There's nothing at all funny about it. How did you come up with the title Stay Cool? And who is the target audience? Um, yeah, thanks. I mean, the, 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 the title comes from in just in part wanting environmentalists to loosen up a little bit. Um, they, they, I would say they are the most important target audience. Um, I really wrote this book for people who already care about climate change, but um, are often feeling overwhelmed with despair because of it. Um, you know, they're they're really important fighters in in this battle, and we can't afford for for them. And I, I should include myself because you know I was I was depressed. That was another reason for writing this book. Um, but uh, you know, they have to have a decent kind of morale in order to keep up the struggle. That's for sure. Once you lose that morale, that's what the other side is hoping on. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> oh, God. And, and if you lose that, you lose. Well, I got to tell you, I, I am old enough to remember the intensity and deadly seriousness of the anti-war movement of the late 60s. Mm -hmm. People were dying and losing limbs and getting poisoned by that Agent Orange stuff. The lush environment of, of Vietnam was under attack from such things as Agent Orange. It, was, it too, was hardly a laughing matter. By 1969, there had been protest after protest, yet the war kept going. It went on and on and on. In that year, the government put on, on trial the eight defendants who had allegedly conspired to riot at the Chicago Democratic Convention. You're probably not old enough to remember that. Uh, <laughs> the truth was, it was the city police who started the riot. And two of the defendants yeah. agreed the case was a mockery of justice. Thus, Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin decided to mock the judge by wearing mm -hmm. what looked like judges' robes into the hearing. <laughs> it got great national attention. And that picture said more than a thousand words ever could. They used humor against power, and power hates being made fun of. Humor can render unjust power absolutely helpless. Well, this is a long introduction, but Aaron, please tell us, if you would, talk about using satire against climate deniers and fossil fuel companies. What is its potential role, satire? How might it be uniquely effective, perhaps more so than righteous indignation? Yeah, thanks for the question. Also, I just wanted to sort of remember um, that Abby Hoffman and, and Jerry Rubin also used the technique of running a pig for president. Pegasus, yes. Uh, right, yeah, right about that same time, which, uh -huh. um, you know, was was really effective, again, in, in just sort of garnering some attention and pointing out that both sides of the political aisle were really set in their ways and just needed shaking up a little bit. Um, but yeah, satire uh, is one of the most potent forms of dark comedy, I think. Um, and uh, I would love to see environmentalists use it more often just simply to, to sort of make fun of uh, the people who are doing things that need to change. Uh, I, I'm thinking in particular of the fossil fuel industry. Um, and uh, and there have been there have been some nice examples of this 
fairly recently, just uh, just for instance, um, a, a branch of the organization 350.org, the uh-huh. climate change organization, mm-hmm. they made a video that uh, where they where they had actors pretending to be representatives of a coal company announcing a new policy, and uh, and the new policy was I, I'm not sure what we're allowed to say on the radio, but oh. um, let's call let's say let's say F U <laughs> uh-huh. was the new policy. <laughs> Um, and they have all of these executives sort of just very seriously explaining all of the implications of this policy for for you and your grandchildren. <laughs> I, I, I'm reminded there was a group calling itself Billionaires for Bush that dressed up like, <laughs> like billionaires, and and they were t- total satire, just mocking, you know, what the billionaires wanted to do and what they were all about, like more money for me screw you it's all for me yeah <laughs> and and what's nice is that you know at first people took him seriously they thought are these really billionaires for bush <laughs> and and you're probably talking about that uh as well with the group uh that you're talking about that 350 thing so mm-hmm. where did that happen that was actually in australia uh-huh. um but there have been other examples uh closer to home um you know, there, there's the, the great sort of performance art activist group called the Yes Men. Oh. Um, and they've done a number of different uh, sort of performance art pieces. But one one time uh, in New York City, they set up a snow cone cart um, <laughs> that that pretended to be um, representatives of one of the big fossil fuel companies saying that it was they were they were using ice from the arctic and they were they were trying to raise money for their drilling operation up there <laughs> with the snow corn cart um and it actually had you know it got a lot of attention and um and you know that together with a number of other actions uh actually helped to to get this company i think it was exxon mobile but i, I can't remember for sure um, to back down from their plans to drill in a, a certain part of the Arctic. So mm. um, you never know, you know, it's like you, 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 you can't, you can't do satire um, thinking that it's necessarily going to work every right. time, right. but you never know. Uh, it's, it's, it's worth a shot. And meanwhile, it can sort of boost everyone's mood. Mm. So. And boosting everyone's mood. I mean, things quite frankly are pretty damn dark today. Ooh, did I say that word? They are. Oh, it's like, I mean, that UN report saying we had to what twenty thirty five, and they were, and then we were um, screwed. I mean, just really, <laughs> un, it's like we really have to do something. And satire, you're right. It often people don't often get. It. I mean, people are not always the most sophisticated. <laughs> they don't always see that something is satire. But in a way, that kind of works to its advantage. Uh, you know, I, 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 I remember. I grew up on Mad Magazine, and they were like, "Oh yeah, oh, me too." <laughs> brilliant, brilliant stuff. And I'm sure the the interest that they made fun of uh, probably didn't like it so much. But uh, especially when they made fun of like cigarette companies and things like that, <laughs> that was it was really good stuff. Um, so let's face it, it, this is we're in a difficult and important fight saving the planet. I mean, who would have ever thought? that that would not be hyperbole that that we really are about saving the planet yeah, sometimes at times it's really disheartening 
so yeah. there's, there's all kinds of comedy, of course. One is dark comedy. Uh, what, what do you mean by that term, dark comedy? And, and how is that especially applicable? Yeah, um, you know, some sometimes it's called black comedy, mm-hmm. um, but I decided not to use that term because I'm also in the book. I talk a lot about African American comedy, so uh-huh. I didn't want that to be confusing. Um, yeah. And it's it's also uh, it's also basically the same as gallows humor. Uh-huh. Um, really, these are these are all just terms for a kind of comedy that acknowledges how difficult things are, sometimes for a particular group of people, sometimes for a particular situation, sometimes more generally just about the state of the world. Um, But it's always, uh, you know, like, it it always kind of runs the risk of being so dark that it it almost feels fatalistic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know, you know, comedy is a really, really, strange and complicated genre you know different people find different things funny that that's always going to be the case mm-hmm. um but that's one thing i really like about it is its unpredictability it, it just you know it, it almost automatically shakes people up comedy um and dark comedy i think uh the, the most interesting kinds of dark comedy are not fatalistic at all but they actually serve to, to, you know, serve a community that's trying to get some sort of purchase on a really, really difficult or even seemingly impossible situation. Um, And, you know, one of the, one of the great examples that that comes to mind that that always surprises people when I, or not always, but often surprises people when I talk to them about it is um, concentration camp humor, you know, like that, that shouldn't even be a phrase, right? <laughs> but uh, but it was because humor was such an important survival strategy for people um, in concentration camps. Uh, they even organized circuses and cabarets. Um, you know, they there was a group of friends in Treblinka that used to say to each other, hey, don't eat so much. I'm going to have to carry your body out of here, um, which was, you know, horribly darkly ironic because they hardly ever had anything to eat whatsoever. Um, But, you know, just by, just by making that kind of joke, that group of friends felt a kind of solidarity and even, even a sort of catharsis, like, you know, we can still laugh together even under the most dire circumstances we've ever faced. And as I noted in the beginning, you know, when you when you play by the other side's rules, they win. But when you yeah. confuse them and 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 make fun of them, they're completely flustered. They don't know what to do. And I'm sure that's what happened in the in the concentration camps. Uh, for those who may have just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. The show is keeping democracy alive. We're talking about uh, keeping uh, keeping our spirits up as we fight to save the planet. Our guest today is author Aaron Sachs, who is also a history professor. I love history, as any regular listener knows. Uh, His new book is titled Stay Cool, Why Dark Comedy Matters in the Fight Against Climate Change. And certainly, uh, African-Americans and Jews historically 
have used, as you said, gallows humor. Interesting phrase, gallows humor. How does comedy serve oppressed groups fighting for their survival? I mean, making fun of their oppressors. It did not vanquish the bad guys. That's for no. sure. But what, what <laughs> did it accomplish? And in what ways is gallows humor now applicable to saving the planet? Do tell. So, yeah, when we, we've talked about satire a little bit already and how um, you can use dark comedy to make fun of your enemies. But I, I think probably the most important function of gallows humor is just to sort of keep up the morale of the threatened community. Um, so, the you know, we I was talking a little bit about... Um, humor in concentration camps there's there's even a, a sort of broader category of uh humor during world war ii uh that that many jews used to just sort of even in the resistance movements um you know to to kind of keep the struggle going to to just have a moment of lightness amidst all of the darkness and heaviness um uh, just one 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 example of a of a kind of uh, resistance movement joke is, um, uh, you know, one person says, "What's uh, what do you call it when uh, a Nazi slaughters a pig?" I don't know what fratricide. What do you call it if you tell this joke? <laughs> what do you call it if you tell this joke in Germany? Suicide. <laughs> oh man, that's great stuff. That that that's really uh, true. And you know, you talk about. Gallows humor. I I think back to, I believe it was Mary Queen of Scots who got the last laugh, quite literally. <laughs> it wasn't gallows; it was a uh, a guillotine when they cut off her head and they and they lifted, they grabbed her hair and lifted her head to show that she, her head had been severed and it flew out into the audience. So that, that's 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 some gallows humor. She got the last laugh. Whoa! You talk about gallows. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, right? You're 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 not going to save your life right. um, with if you if you're if you're if you're about to be guillotined or if you're about to be hanged. Um, uh, you know, some sometimes when when I think of gallows humor, I think of the scene in the Monty Python movie, The Life of Brian, when there are something like twenty three people up on crucifixes in the desert and they start singing the song "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life." Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, they're not going to, like, singing that song is not going to save them from dying. They're going to die yes. on the crucifixes. Yes. But for anybody who's listening, it's it's funny. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> um, you and, know, it's, it's, it's you know, why, why allow this moment to be uh, a total defeat? Why not sort of just, you know, show your defiance? Uh-huh. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, being human, showing humanity against the, you know, the, the viciousness, the awfulness of the of the machine and, you know, d mm -hmm. dredging out, you know, fossil fuels, the whole process all the way through is just, you know, deadly serious and, you know, not not funny in the least, but but making fun of it, uh, you know, it's it's important to be able to do that. And I was wondering, yeah. what is it about comedy that enables people to say things that one can only say 
in the context of comedy. You can get up there and say stuff that you couldn't say otherwise, but it, but, but when it's comedy, somehow you're free to say it. Talk about that if you It's can. really true. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really liberating. It's it it's like sort of softening the blow to yep. some extent. Um you know, it's it's saying like, look, uh we're all in this together. We all, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this hard thing, not as a way of attacking you or attacking anyone, um, but it's just something that needs to be said, and uh, and and we can all have a laugh about how awful it is in the end, mm-hmm. um, or um, or you know, you can actually use comedy to push people further and get them to to think harder about serious problems um so i'm 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 thinking of uh well there 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 are so many examples with you know in terms of how comedians do this um but i i particularly was struck by um one of Chris Rock's earlier Oscar performances. Everybody, everybody knows about the slap from last year, but yeah. um, but he was the host in 2016 when there were no African American nominees, and um, you know there was a protest movement that started. A lot of really important African American celebrities wanted Chris Rock to step down from hosting the Oscars. Um, and he was like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this job. I'm going to get paid, um, but I'm going to make some really sort of serious slash unserious jokes um, that uh, that will get people really thinking. Um, this was, you know, 20, 2014 was the, the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. This was two years later. So it was very much on people's minds. Um and he got up there and, uh, you know, he, he started started saying stuff like, you know, nobody was protesting the Oscars in the 1960s because, um, you know, we were too busy to do stuff like that. We were, we were too busy getting lynched. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was and, you know, it's like that's a that's a hard joke. That's a that's a that's an uncomfortable laugh. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a way of getting his message across without being too much of a jerk. And I, I think having the context of comedy enabled him to do that. And I think of so many others. You think of Richard Pryor and some of the early mm-hmm. uh, feminine, you know, feminist uh, uh, comedians who could. Oh, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't in a normal non-comedic uh, circumstance. They couldn't say what they did. But, but by doing that, it just you know, smashed open the door, you know, and just, yeah. just showed exactly what it was. And, and they got away with it. And it made some really important points. And you think about all the Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I'm really glad you mentioned some of the early comedians, especially the feminist ones like um, Phyllis Diller. Oh, yes. Uh, one of the earliest women in comedy. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. And she she said, you know, I, I always start with self-denigration and that allows me to go on to the denigration of everybody else. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, so she gradually, she sort of started making fun of her husband oh, yeah. and that led, led her to make fun of 
men in general. Um, and, and that really sort of opened the door to, to much more feminist comedy. Um, but I also just want to dwell on the, the, that idea of self-denigration because that's another really, really good um, aspect of dark comedy. When, when you make fun of yourself first, that also allows you to say much harder things. And I think that would be great for environmentalists and climate activists to oh, just true. have a bit more of a sense of humor about themselves, you know, like undercut themselves a little bit, make themselves more human. And, um, and then people would be more likely to listen to them because let's face it, environmentalists have a pretty bad reputation as being self-righteous. Yeah, true. Well, which brings up one you probably heard. Uh, it's, it's kind of an old joke. And I hope I don't get in too much trouble for it. <laughs> Question, how many feminists does it take to screw in a light bulb? <laughs> Answer, that's not funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, I, I kind of, I mean, I don't have a problem with political correctness. I really don't. I think, you know, it, it has a, you know, it's largely a very good thing. But in what ways might political correctness be a challenge to using humor that can be really beneficial? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Political correctness is important. It it, it sort of um, it pushes the edge uh, mm. in 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 crucial ways. But it it can also go too far, and it can shut people down and turn people off. Um, and I think you know another another point in the book is that if you look at various kinds of social movements and their histories, including feminism. Um, you know, they 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 often start out very very serious. Yes. Uh, but there comes a point when they realize that they are going to do better. They're going to sustain themselves in terms of their own morale and also in in terms of the way they relate and and are relatable to other people. Um, they'll do better if they use comedy. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I just I, I feel like it's it's such a such a perfect opportunity um, for environmentalists that's just sort of untapped. And it kind of takes the weight off because you're right. I mean, it is pretty heavy now. You know, the the, the seriousness of of environmentalists. I mean, it is an extremely serious problem. But to make fun yeah. of oneself, self-deprecating. It just loosens it up. It just enables people to like, oh, whew, they're human. You know, I can. Yeah. It's 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 exceedingly important, I think. And uh, I'm also thinking. I mean, there's so many different examples we can think of. Uh, there was the 1997 movie Life Is Beautiful, where mm -hmm. a Jewish waiter and his son become yeah. victims of a Holocaust, and right. and he very bravely uses a mixture of will humor and imagination to protect mm -hmm. his son. What, what lessons yeah. did that offer? Yeah, I just, I, I, again, it's, it's often surprising to people that, um, you know, humor was deployed uh, by people who are usually seen as victims of World War II and the Holocaust. Um, but that, you know, there's, there's a kind of humor that is purely escapist. And then there's the uh -huh. kind of humor we're talking about that, that actually allows you to go deeper into problems. Um, so yes, he was protecting his son, yeah. 
Um, but he was also just sort of, you know, for himself coping with the reality of this, you know, kind of overwhelming situation. Um, and, you know, I think, I think the combination it, and the, the, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking also of the, the perspective of the filmmaker, right? I mean, ultimately when you watch that movie, it is a combination of tragedy and comedy. Uh -huh. um, we think we think of these categories as separate, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, which which you know, uh, it's a Shakespeare play. Is it a tragedy or is it a comedy? And and in fact, they're often blended together. Yes. And when they do blend together, it can be incredibly moving and effective. Um, it just you know, it it creates a, a a sort of lighter kind of catharsis than than the catharsis catharsis you get from just pure tragedy. Um, it's it's a it's a kind of catharsis that I think tends to build a sense of community and solidarity for people um, in very powerful ways. Yeah, and, and Shakespeare really knew his stuff, shall we say? I mean, tragedy and comedy—that that's what he did. And the, the, they were there was a relation between the two. Tragedy was everybody can feel it. Everybody's felt tragedy in their lives, and then. To, to have it come out okay, oh, ha, ha, it's okay. That was, a, it, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, of course. And, uh, you know, it, it's still one of the things, reasons uh, Shakespeare is still relevant is because he's still relevant, because he got it. He understood uh, humanity. And and you're right, certainly the, the, the dourness, the, the seriousness of, of environmentalists, that's something that the climate deniers love to pick on they're an easy target for that talk about that if it's you true. Would, please yeah i mean just quickly going i mean you you always open up so many wonderful questions so i have to just talk about shakespeare a little bit more for a second please, sure. because um you know people forget that some of the funniest shakespeare plays are the ones categorized as histories you know the great character of falstaff he's not a character in comedies he's a character in the history plays um, he's hilarious, but yeah. Um, anyway, uh, you're right that uh, the the other side, the dark side, often picks on uh, environmentalists for being so dour and grim. Um, and uh, and you know they have uh, one of the, one of the suggestions I make in the book is just for environmentalists to um, to consider. Uh, the difference between a typical climate rally and a march for gay rights where ah, true. it's dressed up in fabulous rainbow colored outfits and they just seem to be having a great time. Uh -huh. um, you know, while, while at the climate march, everybody's, everybody's feeling guilty for having driven to the, <laughs> to, to the site of the rally <laughs> um, and using, you know, having used fossil fuels. It's just, you know, like it, it's so much it's so much easier to energize people if you if you come at your activism with a sense of festivity as opposed to a, a sense of gloom. That's so true. You're making me think about a lot of things in history back in, you know, the early days with the the old B-ins where, you know, they throw flowers mm -hmm. and have a good time and invite people in. It was really fun. Whereas, you know, yeah. if it's just, uh, you know, angry and upset and, 
people don't want to do that as much. And you, you kind of do want people on your side. I mean, this is an important thing yeah. to get people on your side. It's very, very important. And, and you know, if, if they're not, you know, if it's not fun, why do it? People said that, you know. And, and maybe it, it can be fun a little bit. I wonder how. Yeah, you need, you need both. You were, you were talking earlier about the anti-war movement right. in the 60s and 70s. And yeah, it was very, very serious for a while. But they also figured out comedy, you know, like uh, songs, you know, one, two, three, what are we fighting for? You know, this, me, I don't guy. give a darn. <laughs> yeah. Five, six, yeah, seven. I mean, the, yeah. those were those were those were fun ways of uh, of protesting. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. At uh, at Woodstock with uh, what Country Joe and the Fish. Uh, Country Joe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, having fun and uh, oh, there's so many different examples of that, and it lightens up the mood and and it brings people in and it keeps the movement going. That's important. If you just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. We are talking about keeping the movement going with fun, with uh, appropriate dark comedy, saving the planet. The the uh, our guest today is uh, Aaron Sachs, who's got a new book, "Stay Cool: Why Dark Comedy Matters in the Fight Against Climate Change." And that is an interesting title, "Stay Cool." Talk about that, if you would, please. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, the the danger with the title and um, and the reason for the subtitle uh -huh. is that you know people people might see that title and initially think i'm dismissing climate change as a problem um ah. but uh but i wanted to be i wanted to be clear that this is this is not in any way a dismissal it's just a kind of reframing of uh how we go about our activism um so yeah i mean stay cool is another it's another sort of reference to the need to, to have a certain kind of mindset. Um, I, I, I really, I worry about people becoming just overwhelmed with anxiety yeah. and despair. Yeah. Um, you know, there's like, amazingly, there, there, there is a thing now called pre-traumatic stress syndrome. Um, oh yeah, with, uh, <laughs> especially with young people, um, it, it started that that term started out as a joke <laughs> uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, the the Onion um, made a joke about people suffering from trying trying to get out of military service because they were suffering from pre-traumatic stress disorder. Um, but now it's a real thing related to climate change because it is so overwhelming. You 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 know you want to think you want to be able to think about the future with hope. Um, and uh, and so many young people now are are just you know they've been bombarded with the message that um, we're screwed basically everybody and um, you know it's it's hard to it's hard to sort of be calm uh, when you have that drilled into you from the time you're a little kid so part of part of the message of the title is just look you know. There's a lot of bad stuff going on, but um, there's always been a lot of bad stuff going on. True. Uh, I'm, another, another, another part of this is, you know, I am a historian, and so I, I try to bring that historical perspective to bear. We've we've been through a lot of dark times <laughs> in the past, yes. um, and we've made it uh, thanks in large part to 
uh, people who were able to come together as communities to, to sort of struggle through. Um, and you just, you, you, you need, uh, you need some, some sort of coolness to get through that. That's not to say, you know, you should be unemotional, um, but just that you should take steps to, to help yourself not get overwhelmed with anxiety. Yeah, that's that's not easy. And having a couple of uh, fairly young kids myself, it's it is really hard. And you know, there are times where I think, you're right, we're screwed, humans. What the what have we done to this planet? But then we yeah. do some really beautiful things too. I oh gosh, many years ago, I I went to uh, to Oslo, Norway, and I went to the uh, to the Resistance Museum, and mm -hmm. the, the creative things they did were amazing and it, it, it's like humanity is beautiful it yeah. like for example they took uh, 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 produce crates you know wooden produce crates and in the corner they have wooden uh, stays to, to to make it more stable well, what they do is drill those out and roll up a message and put it in there mm -hmm. i mean just brilliant stuff and that makes you believe in humanity and I, it's not dark humor exactly but the things we can do, uh, making fun of the bad guys, and and you, you know, there there was the mocking in the of the judge in the Chicago Eight case, and, and you suggest creative actions can communicate a very serious message through planting an image creatively, planting an image. You offer one example, I really like this, of a humorous action at a coal-fired plant. <laughs> Tell us that idea, please. That was great. Oh, it was just thanks. It was just the idea that uh, we could we could organize a stealth operation to install some solar panels um, at a at a at a coal fired power plant. Um, you know, I was uh, I came of age as an environmentalist when Greenpeace was still very active, and you know, like I remember walking down the street in Washington D.C., which is where I was working. I was in my twenties working for an environmental nonprofit. And like all of a sudden, a Greenpeace activist was rappelling down the side of a big building, unrolling this giant banner about the, you know, protesting the World Bank. And it was just, it was very exciting. It was, um, you know, there was, there was this kind of festivity in the air. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I've, I've always thought that was a, a good way of um, getting attention, getting people sort of energized um you know it's it's fun it's, it's fun to even just dream up stealth uh operations if you even if you don't actually do them and and you reminded me of so many different things through the years the i think it was bread and puppet theater used to do stuff mm -hmm. in, in the streets street actions you know turning streets into theater streets are normally just for commerce but when you turn a street into theater oh man it's brilliant and it attracts attention and is fun it really is. Yeah. Right? I mean, again, well, go ahead. No, I was just thinking festivity. How, yeah. How important yeah. that is throughout, throughout history of humanity. Right. There's, there's, there's a time for angry protests mm -hmm. and, you know, there, there's also a time for music and religion. And like, like you were saying, I, I think it was really apt. It's, it's so important in these dark times to remember that, human beings have created beautiful uh, cultures and 
Um, and we're still capable of that. And we've, we've always been capable of that, even in the darkest mm. times. Yeah. Um, there's some, I have some examples of, of, uh, of humor from a long time ago, uh, you know, during, during, you know, bubonic plague times, uh, Daniel, Daniel Defoe walked around London in, uh, I think it was 1665 and said, yeah, everything's quiet here. There's, there's no written, no occasion for lawyers. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> that would be dark humor. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> there must be so many examples in history of, of, of dark humor. Communicating a message that, that you can't do, that only dark comedy can do. Talk about that, if you would, and- please. Another another good example from uh, from a long time ago, sure. early 18th century. Uh, Jonathan Swift wrote this famous oh, essay called "A, a, a Modest Proposal." Yes, uh, <laughs> and, I loved it. and and the proposal was cannibalism. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he said, "Look, look, we're in the middle of a famine," and this was this was you know very clearly an environmental problem because it was the little ice age um as it's called uh-huh. Uh-huh. crops were not doing well um and uh especially poor people were dying of hunger and uh so jonathan swift in this very very serious way explains well you know poor people should take their small children and sell them to rich people as snacks it's a it's a win-win because the poor people then don't have to worry about feeding uh their small children um and uh the rich people and and then they get paid and the rich people get extra snacks um and this you know this whole thing was just a way of getting people to pay attention to you know the injustice of uh, people uh, living in poverty and being at the very edge of starvation while there were these, uh, you know, lords in, in the same exact society who were still doing just fine um, because they were so wealthy. Interesting point. And I remember reading that in, gosh, was that elementary school? Could it, could they have been that forward thinking? And Many, many kids thinking it was totally serious and that, wait yeah. a minute, they're saying <laughs> you should eat the Irish children? Yeah, he has all these details. You know, it's like, you can boil them, you can saute them, you can roast them. They're really good fricassees. You know? <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people, I suppose, wouldn't see the humor in that. And, and as you said, there's all kinds of different humor. Some. Some people find things funny that I have no idea what they're laughing at. It's and, true. Uh, uh, you know, it, it is important to do that. And that those are these are perfect examples of dark humor. And what is it? What does it do for the, the movement? I mean, I think the movement is, you know, it's it's deadly serious. It is a deadly serious issue. Um, how does it keep us energized? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would I would go back to the the simple question of morale. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I have I have a good friend uh, here at Cornell um, and right in my neighborhood in, in Ithaca, New York, mm-hmm. who happens to be on the intergovernmental panel for climate change, the IPCC. They're they're the people writing these huge reports uh, about where we're at with the climate and where we're headed uh-huh. and. 
um, a few years ago, she she just sort of we were talking about her work for um, the panel, which you know it takes up a huge amount of time and energy for oh, her. Um, and she was just saying, you know, pretty much everybody on that panel is depressed. Yeah. They're just sad all the time because this is what they're thinking about all the time. They're thinking about, mm. you know, all of all of the things that um, our human societies are doing right now that are just bringing us uh, that much. First, first of all, you know, that are threatening people who are already vulnerable in the absolute immediate term and today in the present, right? And bringing all the rest of us that much closer uh, to that kind of suffering uh, over the next several years um, because there's no political will to, to mm. change this and because of, you know, the, the long patterns of capitalism and colonialism, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, the point is, here are these people doing really important work to try to sort of shock us out of um, these patterns, and they're totally depressed. Um, and... You know, there's there's no surefire way to um, to get people out of depression, um, but I know from my own personal experience that comedy can at least help a little bit sometimes. Oh. Um, and uh, you know, that's that was that was one of the reasons that I wanted to write this book um, for for myself and for other people uh, like my friend and and her colleagues on the IPCC. Um, this is this is hard work to 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 sort of deal with, um, and you just need to lighten the mood every now and then in order to keep doing the work. Well, that's an interesting point. I mean, it's I, I have friends who are really into dystopian movies, and like I'm thinking, mm. no, <laughs> I, I get enough of that in real life. I don't have any, I want to watch some comedies that make fun yeah. of things, you know, that that keep our spirits alive and and we have to do that in order in order to win and i wonder how this there's various different tools one needs you know as i said you need protest and politics there's there's you know mm -hmm. occupying sites that's a good thing to do it works it yeah. absolutely works yeah. but there's also legislation that was very active in the anti uh nuclear movement you know protesting mm -hmm. uh at nuclear plants as well as going through the legislature uh, so I wonder what unique tools comedy can bring to actually uh, move us along toward the victory that we need. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, this is in, in some ways a, a kind of summation of some of the things that mm -hmm. we've been talking about. Um, I think of I think of dark comedy as helping um, in three main ways. Uh, the first and probably most important is just that it builds community and solidarity. It, mm -hmm. it you know, it keeps our keeps our spirit going. It, it's it's good for morale. Mm -hmm. um, that's number one. Number two is, as we've talked about, you can use it as satire um, to to sort of um, draw attention to the horrifying things that. Uh, let's say fossil fuel companies are doing or certain politicians are doing. Um, it's a really, it's a really good weapon in that sense um, because it's just a little bit 
lighter than uh, than the, the kind of self-righteous attack we mm. usually use. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third thing is uh, self-directed humor to just make us as activists more human, more relatable, better at communicating. Um, because once once you undercut yourself, you make it clear that you're not trying to stand up on a high horse. Uh -huh. um, you're not think you're not thinking of yourself as better uh, than you know somebody who would dare to drive an SUV. Um, you're you're sort of you're recognizing that you're just as complicit as everyone else, and we're all in this together. Um, let's let's have a laugh and and all try to be better. Those are some really good points. And if you just tuned in, dear listener, Bert Cohen here. The show is Keeping Democracy Alive. We're trying to keep the planet alive. Our guest today is Aaron Sachs, a historian who's got a new book coming out April 4th titled Stay Cool, Why Dark Comedy Matters in the Fight Against Climate Change. And I think of images that uniquely and powerfully tell the story. There, there are a few people who don't like Donald Trump. Me, for one, um, there was that amazing balloon, that big, huge, helium-filled yeah. orange balloon. That was brilliant. I mean, that to me, that was brilliant. That just said it all. And it must have uh, made him angry <laughs> to put him. <laughs> Yeah. That's a, that's well, a, let's hope so. Uh, it's the kind of thing we need. Well, he's raising money off being a victim. Ooh. Anyway, after, you know, one of the worst things we have, uh, of course, is is mass killings. Yeah. After each school shooting, yeah. there are those who say, oh, no, it's too soon to take action. We shouldn't do it now. And... Is it similarly not too soon for comedy about climate change? How well has the tactic of dark seriousness worked thus far in waking us up and activating change? And telling jokes about climate change is not what we what we generally see. What about that? You know, people are, I mean, school shootings are unbelievable. I mean, it's just unthinkable. And yet they happen all the time. And people say, oh, no, it's too soon to do anything afterwards. What are your thoughts about that with regard to uh, dark comedy. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a very tricky thing. Like mm. I've said before, comedy is quite unpredictable. Mm. Different people react in different ways. Um, it's it's going to be too soon for some people. Um, but it's, you know, like it's also going to be too late for other people. Um, mm. You know that's 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 one thing we're dealing with. We're we're dealing with uh, a ticking clock when it mm. comes to to climate change. So um, I don't think we can afford to to say it's too soon. Um, uh. You know, just another example um, when Mel Brooks made the the now classic movie The Producers yes. in the nineteen sixties. Oh, you know, it was it was twenty twenty years after the Holocaust mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, in the producers, there's there's a play within a play, as it were, called "It's Springtime for Hitler." Yes. Um, and uh, and you know, <laughs> many people, and it's 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 dark comedy about the Holocaust, twenty years after the Holocaust, and that was too soon for some people. Some people wrote, you know, scathing op-eds about the movie when it came out. Meanwhile you know millions of people went to see the movie and it became a classic and a lot of people 
really felt uh, a kind of catharsis at being able to laugh at uh, at Hitler um, 20 years after the, the Holocaust. So, you know, at the risk of sounding insensitive to mm. the people who, who might be offended um, by certain kinds of climate comedy, um, I, I think it's, it's necessary, you know, that there, there are, there are those of us who, um, who feel the, the bitterness of this situation so strongly yes. that we want it acknowledged, you know, like we, we, we want somebody to say like, yeah, we're all screwed, but say it in a tone of voice that, that isn't actually depressing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, this this makes me think of uh, Herman Melville as one of my favorite writers. And if you read Moby Dick, you, you know everybody knows Moby Dick is a tragedy. They're they're all going to die in the end, um, except for the one narrator of the story. Um, but the thing is, while you're reading the book, that narrator is such a great companion. He's so funny. He's so engaged in the world around him but it doesn't feel like a tragedy at all it's very you know it's like it's actually very energizing to read moby dick um and that's 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 what i'm looking for in climate activism you know like let's let's acknowledge the darkness let's acknowledge the tragedy you know school shootings are absolutely devastating yes um but but what we have to do is is sort of bring ourselves out of that state of shock and devastation so that we can look at the reality of the situation and do something about it. I'm not sure if this would be under the category of dark comedy, but I've, I've heard it said that some of these gun people love their guns more than they love their children. That's not very funny, though. Not at all. But I, <laughs> you know, I, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's it is bizarre, but we have to yeah. be creative. This is such a serious situation. We have to be creative. You have observed that young activists and comedians are already deploying dark humor to great effect. Tell me some of the good things you've seen about this, if there are any left. Yeah, it is start. It is. It's definitely starting in, in the okay. last few years. Um, yeah, there's. Um, you know, it's, I, I'm immediately thinking of uh, a, a poster at uh, a recent climate rally that a young person was holding saying, I was hoping for a cooler death. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, that's good. Uh, but yeah, um, there, um, there was a movie that some people might have seen in 2009, I believe, called No Impact Man. Um about this guy, Colin Beaven, who lives in New York City uh, and with with his uh, young family and um, and you know he's he's one of these environmentalists who just sort of focused on what one individual person or what one family could do to reduce their carbon footprint as much as possible. Um, and that requires him to be super obnoxious, ah, uh-huh, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. like, um, mm. like when, when he's at the farmer's market and he's trying to buy some food for his family and he sees like these, 
you know, cookies individually wrapped in plastic. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, I, I don't want to be that guy, but, uh, but you know, you shouldn't wrap these cookies. In, you know, of course, environmentalists almost always do actually want to be that guy. They're, they're, they're so yeah. self-righteous. Um, but the great thing about the movie is that it gives um, a lot of screen time to his wife, who's constantly complaining about how obnoxious her husband is. Oh, good. Um, and so, you know, the whole movie sort of turns into a comedy um, that allows the message of, you know, doing doing things mm-hmm. to reduce your carbon footprint to, to come across uh, a little bit more easily. Um, so, and, and, yeah, they're... And more human, more human. You know, yes. people, like, when they vote, they want somebody... We've seen what they've done with people who come across as elitist, as better than thou. Uh, yeah, that doesn't work so well. They want somebody yeah. they can relate to. Fascinating subject. Very, very important, I think, because, I mean, this is a deadly serious subject, but we need all the tools we can come up with. Aaron Sachs, yeah. thank you so much today. The book is titled Stay Cool, Why Dark Comedy Matters in the Fight Against Climate Change. NYU Press. It's coming out April 4th. Thank you so much. And uh, boy, we, we, we're going to win this thing. We have to. There's no choice. Let's do it. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. Life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing Ain't always look on the bright side of life If you enjoyed that discussion, don't miss a single show Subscribe, it's all free It's on Apple Spotify, Progressive Radio Network, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and of course, the website, keepingdemocracyalive.com. Thanks very much.